0: Well, are you all uh, in the mood for a short message? Woo! Woo That's from my son. (laughs) He he says, I've heard them all. (laughs) So, we've we've, uh, actually, up until the last song, we had picked so many short songs today. Uh, I thought it goes along with that theme of just a little bit uh, shorter message. we're going to turn our attention back to Ecclesiastes, and we're coming towards the end of chapter 11. We're going to crack into chapter 12. Probably only a, a message or two more uh, from this book. Um, if you remember, the, the second half of Ecclesiastes has spent, uh, that Solomon has spent giving us uh, proverbial-type pictures concerning life above the sun. The first part of his book he was talking about life under the sun, you know, life—the human life, the physical life, the the, the humanistic life—that is offered here, and as he's gotten towards the end of the book, he is giving us, you know, proverbial truths concerning, you know, we would say the Christian life, you know, living a a godly life, and we're going to take one more pause before we get into his conclu- ultimate conclusions, uh, in in chapter twelve, um, and so it's just a little bit shorter because we've been repeating a lot of things, but. Um, this morning, I, I didn't want to skip over this portion because it talks about a lot about joy. And as Christians, you know, sometimes you know, we, we reference it a lot, but you know, a lot of times as we're looking at our life, we don't have a lot of joy. And so I thought it'd be important for us to at least pause here for a few moments and see what God has to say about this. So, bow with me in a word of prayer and then we'll get going. Father, I thank you for our time here today. Lord, I thank you that it is you truly are the one who puts joy in our heart, and, and hearing the testimonies, just Father, being able to see your hand in life under the sun and see you working in circumstances, it's just been such a, a great blessing this morning, encouraging. And Father, I ask you through your word to open up the eyes of our hearts. You know, somebody needs this. Probably all of us need to hear this today, in the midst of these crazy times and. and and so much information we're being flooded with, things are changing so fast. Father, I thank you that we can come back to the rock, the solid rock, Jesus Christ, to to your word, Father, that it's not passing fads or or just a mob mentality thinking, but, Lord, it is eternal truth that we stand on today. And so, Lord, speak to us. Uh, Each of us come here. You know, with, with different needs, different things upon our heart. And I pray your spirit that you've placed within us will, will confer with your word, Lord. And just give us the direction that we need. In thy name we pray. Amen. Well, it was a great day in my life when I finally realized that God was not trying to force me into some sort of a Christian mold. I mean, something that wasn't me, something that I wouldn't be happy with. And I think it's a lesson that all Christians need to learn, that God is not trying to shape you into a mold. Especially, you know, for me, as I was looking at becoming a pastor and going into the ministry, it's important for full-time Christian servants to know that God has saved us with our personalities, with our gifts, with our talents. He has called us into his service and called us into his kingdom. I was thinking about this this past weekend. And I remember my battle with this freedom. It really happened uh, my junior year in college. Uh, I began taking a homiletics course. I was feeling that God was kind of moving me towards the ministry. I was at Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music and our homiletics class consists of about 20 to 25 men whose aim seemed to be the ministry. They were going to be pastors or, or youth pastors or missionaries. And, and something in that school happened between a person's junior year and the senior year. All of a sudden, something during that summer, as they you know, finished a junior got into their senior year, something happened during that summer that all the would-be pastors, they began to change. I'd come back, and all these friends that I had, they were all wearing ties now, and suit coats every single day to school. And I'm not kidding you when I describe every single one of them carried briefcases now. And they carried Bibles, and they'd they'd hold it close as they walked. And, uh, you know, total changes. You know, um, they seemed to walk slower, just a little more soberly. I mean, these are the same guys that the year before you know, we were in the snack shop, you know, laughing so hard, you know, we are blowing milk out of our noses. Or, you know, I mean, you know, and suddenly now we've all changed. Homiletics class was even worse. Homiletics class is where they kind of, you know, helped you to develop preaching skills and we were given the opportunity to stand up for the very first time in front of the class and and deliver about a 10-minute message. I had a very, very good friend who was in one of these classes Who underwent a drastic change? Uh, He was a natural tenor, so his voice was always a little bit higher. Um, But boy, put him in front of a group of people with a Bible in his hand, and I remember the first message he got up to preach. I mean, he normally had a little bit higher voice, and he was talking to you like this. And suddenly he got up, and he paused, and he said, "Prayer, God's hotline to heaven." (laughs) It took me everything not to bust out laughing. And, and many of the other men, and again, I'm not exaggerating here, many of these other men adopted pastoral stances, you know, the, the stereotypical type of movements, you know, the stern looks at just the right time, you know, the hands, if I'm doing it, the hands on the side of the pulpit uh, as, you're, as you're preaching. <laughs> uh, I remember one of my good friends, uh, as he preached, he would stand like this, and he would talk the whole time. And, you know, a spider doing push-ups on a mirror. I don't know, uh, you know. But we, somehow we realize that we need to have a pastoral look. Um, it reminded me about a woman I heard about. She was in a grocery cho- store on the checkout. and Behind her was a man in a really nice suit, you know. And she turns around to the man and says, oh, sir, are you a pastor? And, and he says, oh, no, I've just been sick lately. Uh, you got it. Yeah, I mean, okay, you know, there's just a certain look that, that, that pastors have. Well, I bought myself a briefcase, and I began, uh, quite honestly, to evaluate my social life to see, you know, what are the type of things that would have to go. Uh, I remember someone coming to me, I believe it was my RA, uh, pointing out to me that no one else that was going into pastoral major was playing on the basketball team. You know, so I guess people aren't supposed to do that. Pastors aren't supposed to do that. They're not supposed to get all sweaty and and worked up and everything along those lines. Well, you know, it really did take a while. And I got to say that senior year was kind of difficult because it took me a while to realize that God had chosen me. God has chosen you. The way you are, you know, with all your gifts, with all your talents, and quite honestly, with all your warts and wrinkles and with all of your flaws, God chose you to be used by him. He didn't choose you to force you into a mold of unhappiness. Remember, another author said, it's okay for us to be fundamentalists as long as we don't look like one. You know, I mean, there's that stereotype that we think, you know, now I'm a Christian, this is what I'm supposed to do. God's desire for me was to serve him in a way that fit who I was and who he had made me to be. And that's a lesson that is very easy for us to miss. For you and I to realize that God wants us to, in the midst of ministering to him, serving him, he wants us to enjoy life. To right now, to to have joy that he speaks about unspeakable Whatever our personalities, our talents, our gifts are, God's joy and happiness are for right now. Not something, you know, that we're shooting for later down in life that we have to reach this certain image. Well, if you would walk down the street today and you ask people, you know, what are they waiting for before they will have joy or they will have happiness? If you walk down the street, there's a stereotype out there of life under the sun. That says what, you know, a mold that you have to reach before you find happiness. You walk up to the first person and say, well, what are you waiting for, you know, that is going to give you joy and happiness? And they say, well, I'm waiting until I have things, all the things that I've always wanted. When that happens, I'll be happy. You know, and, and, and because of that philosophy, and we really see it today, young couples, you know, they, they, they get married and they come together and, and, and they both get jobs and they work and work and work to have, have, and get, get, get these things. They, they put off having their family because that's what the world says is going to bring them happiness. You know, they directly connect happiness with things. Once again, we go to God's Word. We go to the rock. We go to, to that which isn't shift, shifting sand. And Christ said this about things. In Luke chapter twelve fifteen. He says, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of possessions. You realize that? Doesn't matter what you have, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your title is. Your life, your value is not in possessions, it's not in what you have. You have a greater, a deeper value. than than these things that you can see on the outside. Folks, if happiness was found in things, then I think we can honestly say the United States would be one big party nation. We have so many things. But instead, we are filled with a nation filled with psychological depression, there's suicide all around us, there's anxiety, there's high blood pressure. We're a nation, you know, that that many people need drugs to help them just cope or to get to sleep. We prove that life does not consist in the things that we have. You might ask another person, you know, what, what, what is it that will give you joy or happiness? And they might say, well, I'm waiting for a person. I'm waiting for just the right person who is going to fulfill my life. And the single person might say, well, I'm waiting for a future marriage partner. A couple, a married couple might say, well, we're waiting for our first child. An employee might say, well, I'm just waiting for that person up the next rung of the ladder, you know, to retire or go somewhere else so so I can be promoted and, and, and get that raise. Some people are just waiting for a close friend. You know, all over scripture, we are reminded that our joy does not rest, quote, in the arms of flesh. It's not in other people, waiting for someone else to make us happy. We cannot depend on people for our happiness. A third answer that you might get is that I'm waiting until I've achieved all of my goals. You know, that's a little bit tie off of the first one, but a little bit different. I mean there are people that have got their life all planned out step by step. And somehow once they have reached that last step, that they will be on this plateau of joy and happiness just get that education just make that first million dollars you know just owning our own business whatever it might be And it's kinda of interesting whenever you ask questions like that joy and happiness for the world always seems to be tied with what they would perceive as good things you know uh, bonus things uh, happening into our life good events but James chapter 1 verse 2 it says dear brothers Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. You don't have to wait for something out there. God wants to give you a joy in here, today. And and this kind of works as a perfect springboard into what we're going to look at in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, God is giving us direction here about happiness and joy, about who you are in Jesus Christ, and where your value lies. Not in becoming something different, but in who you are as a person. And he's given us short, direct truths today. So if you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and we're going to go just into chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to ask you to stand together uh, as we read God's Word, if you would. Stand with me. It says, The light is pleasant... And it's good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. And let him remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. And let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things so remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of your life are fleeting remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draws near when you will say I have no desire or I have no delight in them you may be seated What does God first say about enjoying life? I think it's interesting here that God needs to do this. But he says in verse 8, he kind of gives us permission to enjoy life. He says in verse 8, Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. God wants us to have joy in all the years of our life. And he's kind of given us permission, you know, Christian, to enjoy life. You know, happiness is for any time. And, and this might seem like a, an oddity, permission to enjoy life. But for many Christians, it is needed. God wants you to have joy. You know, we have those stereotypes that we think a Christian should be. God says, I want you to rejoice. Happiness is for any time. There's no age that you, you know, simply are put on hold until you get to the point of happiness. And thinking about this, it occurs to me that we spend a lot of time waiting for things to change in our life, waiting for something to happen in our life, and then our lives you know are going to have happiness. you know uh, I can't wait to get into high school, then I can't wait to graduate or I can't wait to to get my driver's license, or I can't wait to graduate from my school, I can't wait to get married, I can't wait to have children, can't wait till the children leave the home, you know, I, I, I can't wait to have grandkids, you know, can't wait to retire. We, we have all those things, we're waiting for something. And I think it's all right for, to be looking ahead as long as you're not expecting a time period to change your life. To bring you happiness because what God is talking about isn't something under the sun. It's something above the sun. You know, I love what it said in verse 7. The light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. It's good to, to raise above that. To raise above your circumstances and see life from, from God's perspective. And God lose, removes all these traditional limitations that we put on our happiness and our joy. He's offers us joy at all stages of our life. When we're young, it says in verse 9. He says, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desire of your eyes. I no matter how young you are, God wants your life to be filled with joy, to be filled with happiness. Life is a gift. Youth is a gift as well. He wants you to start when you're young, and, and, and maybe this, this is the, a message a little bit for teens here. You know, if you're a teenager, don't spend all your time, time trying to be an adult. Enjoy being a teen. Enjoy being a kid. Enjoy your life right now. Don't panic if you don't, you know, look and act like you're 21 years old when you're only 15. God made you to look like you're 15, so don't, you know, get shoved into the mold of society, that you have to have a certain look, certain makeup, certain clothes, a certain appearance, because when you reach that, then suddenly that's going to bring you joy and happiness. Parents, don't expect your child to act like an adult. We push people so quickly today versus just letting them be what God has made them to be. You know, science has proven that a child that develops at his own speed you know, taking ample time in each stage, whether it's from, you know, a new infant, you know, to learn to, to crawl, to, to walk, you know, going through the clumsy stage and not push through those stages, that they actually do better than their peers who are constantly being pushed, constantly be, being placed in, in a mold that they're not. God has given those, them those years, and with, with God in that child's life, you know, God is developing That's what God wants to do with you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. God wants you right now at that early age to rejoice, to have that joy in that relationship. And and if you're older, if you're getting up in years like I am, you know, it's not time to hang it up and just retire. God wants all of our years to be full. He said in verse 8, Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. It doesn't matter what stage you're at, there should be that, that God can give that joy. There should be that time of rejoicing. Now, along with this this burning desire that God has given us to have joy, he also expresses guidelines that will help give us that joy so that we don't lose that joy. Let's look at a few of those. Number one, as we go through life, you need to remember that difficult times will come. It says in verse 8, the last part of that, He says, let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Folks, life is not a Lego movie where everything is awesome. You know, I mean, it isn't. And it isn't for a Christian. You know, it's not going to be all smiles. You know, you need to be prepared for some hard times. Again, remember, James' advice says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials in your life. Okay? Hard times are going to come. And, and I love how it ended the, that verse in verse 8. It says, everything that is to come will be futility. I mean, if you're looking for something ahead that's going to, you know, under the sun here that's going to give you happiness, that's going to bring you joy, so in the end, it's all going to pass. It's, you, you know, it's all going to be gone. It's all going to deteriorate. We need to remember that. The second guideline is we need to use discretion in our happiness. Because one day we're going to have to answer to God for everything and all the decisions that we have done verse 9 it says rejoice young man during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes whoa God just gave us a free ticket you know do what you want whatever feels good no he says yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things well, one day I'm going to have to stand before God and we are going to answer for our lives. You know, this is, this is such a compassionate phrase. I mean, it's, you might look at it and think, oh, you know, God wants to spoil our fun. No, God wants you to be happy. And he warns against grasping at any form of happiness. Anything that the world offers, that advertises will bring you joy, you know, will bring you peace. Even those things that in the end will hurt you that leave you empty, that steal the joy from your heart. You know, one day, we're going to not only have to give account for, you know, the thing, choices we made, but we're going to give an account for the things that we pursued for our happiness. What do we live our life for? Was it God? Was it for life above the sun or for, is it life under the sun? And one final guideline. Start today making your joy rotate around God. I love verse 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. He is saying, don't waste your young years. Start out in the very beginning being focused on God. Start tomorrow. If you're older, now is the time. Don't be putting off that, yes, I'm going to get around to God. I don't know how many people I talk to that are struggling in life, going through hard things in life, and, and I invite them to come to church. I tell them about Christ. I invite them to come to church, and, 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 and they say, I, I want to get some things straightened out first before I come to church. No. It's start today. Give your life to Christ today. Give your life to God today. I mean, this whole, the, 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 this whole section has the flavor of starting immediately. Don't put it off. You know, don't say, you know, let me, let me try it on my own first. And if it doesn't work, then I'll give God a shot. Now, I've talked to many of you, in, you know, and in, in, in the conversation that comes up, the, the observation, you know, that between the ages of 18 and probably 25, we make some of the biggest decisions of our life. What college we're going to go to, whether or not we're going to go to college, you know, what, what area we're going to pursue for a job, spouse, children, home, buying a home, all of those things. And isn't it interesting, The, the, what does it say? It's up to 80% of kids that graduate from high school walk away from God. Many come back. But in that time frame between 18 and 25 where you're making the most life-changing decisions, life-altering decisions that so many people are making those decisions away from God. And that's why he's saying, you know, start right away. Start immediately. You know, pursuing God in your life. Pursuing God to give you that joy. Start immediately. You know, and then and, and, and don't get off that path with God. Now, I thought about this, this whole thing. I thought, you know what? It, it sounds simple enough that our joy and our happiness is found in God. Why don't we have joy and happiness? What gets in the way of that joy and happiness. And as I thought about this, I think there are two barriers that block our pursuit of joy. The first one is self-appointed excuses that keep us from claiming daily joy. I can talk to people, and I have it in my own life, that if if so-and-so were different, then I would be better. Or if I didn't have maybe my background that I grew up in, that my life would be better and I'd have joy. I'm not, I'm not saying this flippantly because I know we have difficult backgrounds. Where if my situation would just always, if it would just change, then my life could change. And it's so easy for us to have self-appointed excuses to not pursue God. And not to find our life in Him. The second thing is, is that independence that keeps us from remembering our Creator. You know, how many say, you know, I can make it on my own, thank you, God. I can do this. You know, I can pull up my boots, straps, and, you know, tighten them, and, and, and I'll, I'll dig into this thing. I can do this. And, and as I thought about these things, I, I note the two likenesses of these barriers self appointed excuses. And our independence. The, the the two barriers in there is the word self. We are the thing that is standing between ourselves and finding peace and joy in God. God wants our joy. When we go to Him, He freely gives it to us. He has chosen you as we started, as we talked about in the very beginning, He has chosen you who you are. He's chosen you with that background. He has chosen you with that struggle that you have in your life. He has chosen you with your IQ, whether it's low or high. He has chosen you with the family that you have been born into. He has chosen you to be a child of his and to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And the sooner I can get those barriers out of the way, and, and, because Satan will just continue to let me use them to keep me treading water, the sooner I can get to him he freely gives us the joy. He freely gives us happiness. It is only our self that stands in the way. But so often we won't let go and let God and pursue God. And, and, and that's all I have for you this morning. You know, I thought about this, and, you know, it's a message we hear over and over again. But do we really take it to heart? I mean right now in your life whether it's blessings or struggles or somewhere in between what what right now is keeping you from having joy we need to get we need to eliminate those things and pursue God we need to open our hearts up to Christ and it's so easy that we begin to do that and then we pull it back we begin to do it and we pull it back that's what Solomon is saying here here's a man who You know, for for much of his life, he he did nothing but pursue what the world offered. And you remember, he did it to the nth degree. I mean, he was rich. He had power. He had authority, ultimate authority. Nothing was denied from him except for joy and true happiness. And he's coming to the end of his life and he's saying, I'm done. And he is... He is sharing with us the truths that, you know, for, so we don't make those same mistakes. Remember our Creator when we're young. Start right away. Start now. Doesn't matter how old you are, start as soon as you can, pursuing after God. Let's pray together. Lord God. You can see into our hearts. You can see into my heart today. And Father, you know those things that are causing me anxiety. You know those things that are causing me fear. I pray, God, and I thank you that, that you are above all of those things in our lives. That those things are just things to you. They don't touch the, the true who we are within our heart. And Father, for each child of God who is here today, whatever we're struggling with, whatever Satan is trying to use in our life to hold us back, God, help us to get above the sun. Help us to get our focus upon you. However long we have been there, like Solomon was there, Father, help us ultimately come to the end and to lift our eyes to you. Thank you, Father, for your healing. In thy son's name we pray.